everyone, and welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube channel based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith, and your other co-host, Mike Moray, could not be here this week because we have a very special guest who has a very busy schedule, a very busy life, and is uh, in just we are a pit stop on his way between places. So, oh, uh, you know, we are not that he's not that we are unimportant to him, <laughs> just that he's a busy, busy man. And Mike was out of town, and this is kind of the only time that would work for him. We're recording at 10 p.m. on a Friday night, uh, for some reason. And uh, we've never done this before, so bear with us. But Mike's in Vegas, so wish him luck in Vegas. Uh, gambling and running. He's doing the Baker to Vegas run this weekend. So, um, without further ado, I'm joined by uh, my friend Kyle Bradford. Yeah, I'm, I'm here, and I feel guilty. Oh, <laughs> don't feel guilty we we made this happen for you kyle and Thank that's you. not that's not something to feel guilty yeah. about it's I, something I you should feel, feel honored about I, I do feel honored to to be able to make it on the show despite cool. the craziness yeah so kyle's on the show uh this is your first time on the show yeah uh is this your first podcast yeah actually it is yes awesome uh i love having first time podcast guests that's that's the the my secret mission with the show is to uh get people to fall in love with this medium and creating their own content uh we have birthed one podcast so far and i would like to birth many more we're like a uh we're like a podcast plant instead of a church planting church there you go um and i'm, I'm down to plant my own podcast after see? this there you go there you go um, but Kyle's here uh, to talk about the new Jordan Peele movie, Us. And the reason he's here to talk about that is because, um, Kyle, we're fairly recent friends within the last maybe year or two. Um, and we've yeah. only really gotten to know each other in about the last year. And one of the things I noticed uh, about your social media presence is that you post a lot about fitness and movies. Yes. <laughs> um, and you see a lot of movies, man. Like, I... It is hard to find someone who watches about as many movies as I do, and I think you might watch more than I do. So um, I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while. I know when Get Out came out, you were really into that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with that, I wanted to have you on for Jordan Peele's follow-up, Us. But we've never really sat and just, like, talked about movies before because we've seen each other in very social settings. Um, So... Getting to know you, both me and the audience. Uh, do you have a favorite movie of all time? I it's you know what it's a strange one to say because it was so long ago. But The Village is one of my favorite movies. Really? Yeah. Really? Why? Um, oh man, I want to be careful how I say this because I don't sound like I'm smashing people. But there there is a, a point at which I kind of can relate to it. Okay. Where you, where you have that society of people who kind of make these superficial rules, and you kind of realize, oh, that's not what it should be. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what my family came out of when we were younger. We, our social settings and our, the people we were around, um, were always like, oh, this is proper. This isn't proper. This can't happen. And, um, I was just like, hey, she kind of broke away and got to like a healthy place. Yeah. Huh. That's really interesting. I also love that movie, by the way. I, people say that's when M. Night Shyamalan kind of started to drop off in quality. And I don't buy that for a second i really like that movie a lot he did make avatar after that though he did but he did lady in the he did lady in the water after that and i that's i i actually like that movie quite a bit um i'm the i'm the one who likes that movie but yeah he did make the last airbender and he made it the happening after that so that was the last like truly great movie i think he made i thought split was great 
Split was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed Split and um, uh, Glass. Yeah, I thought Glass was good too. Glass was insane. I liked how yeah. crazy that movie was. We we recorded an episode on that, uh, and it was unusable, so I oh. ditched it. Yeah, it was it was really boring. I did not like the way it came out. Um, so yeah. So what is it about movies? Like, how did you get into to movies and just become a pretty? I mean, you're. I've seen you multiple times a week posting uh, for the most part that you that you're at this movie and this movie and this movie. Yeah, um, honestly, I at, if you would have asked me a couple years ago, I'd probably been like, "Oh, I'm not a big move, go to the movies kind of guy." But um, my dad, he just my dad wanted something to hang out with the kids, um, and so once a week we'd start going to the movies. Mm. And then I had another friend who he hit me up to go to the movies too, and I realized the only time I went to go to the movies is if it was like a Marvel movie and i needed to break out of that and see other stuff um that's kind of how it kind of grew from there it's just like i need to see more than just marvel and then i start falling in love with how they tell the stories and how they go about portraying them and i was like hey i want to go see this movie i want to go see that one just to see how it plays out yeah yeah because you i mean you'll go watch i almost feel like you'll watch anything like that's that's the vibe i get from you when i see what you what you're posting about and i really respect (laughs) that yeah i mean even if it's stuff that i hate i'll i'll just riff on it sure uh, yeah i'll riff on it during the movie yeah um because i saw like you you were one of like the six people that saw captive state last week <laughs> yeah <laughs> by myself i was yeah. that dedicated to see it hey i love going <laughs> to the movies by myself i love it it's so much fun um yeah i do you remember the first movie you saw by yourself I think it actually might have been Captive State. Really? Yeah. All right. I couldn't get anyone to go with me for Captive State. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mine was Tomb Raider, but not the recent one. The original Angelina Jolie one. I was just watching that too. I was 13 years old and I went to the movies by myself because my parents had to go to the mall and I didn't want to go shopping with them. So I went to the theater at the mall. (laughs) Good for you though. Yeah. They were like, are you sure you want to go by yourself? And I was like, yeah, that's why I said, let me go to the movies. <laughs> um, yeah, I like, I, so do you prefer, do you have a preference between like sitting at home on your couch watching it or going to a theater and seeing it? Oh, it really depends on the setup I have at home. Sure. Um, I used to have the whole like kind of surround sound effect. Um, and so, yeah, I will kind of bundle up and get like, I'm going to be honest, I eat Oreos whenever I watch a movie at home. Awesome. And I go through an entire family-sized double stuff. Awesome. But um, I also like going to the movies, but it has to be like one that has reclining chairs now. Because mm-hmm. like I, I like to be pampered at the movies now. It's yeah. Not... <laughs> yeah, we have set up that expectation as, a, as the American society. So yeah. I get it. Um, I know I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to Austin this year, and they have the Alamo Draft House mm. out there, which is like movie nerd mecca. So... I I don't know if I'll have time to go, but I really want to go see a movie at the Draft House because they're the ones who kind of pioneered this sort of luxury theater experience. And they have local roots, actually. The people who started it are from here, and they used to own the Nile Theater. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Tim League and his wife. Yeah, they used to own the Nile, and then they had a drive-by shooting that was uh, had resulted in a fatality. Mm-hmm. And it was a PR nightmare for them, and they weren't able to recover from that so they ended up selling it and moving to texas and they started the alamo draft house there you know what knowing the reputation the nile has i i do see that because i still don't think it's recovered no nope. it's a church it. yeah. now 
It's basically only a church now. Yeah, but it was so many other things before that. It's, yeah. yeah, it was several nightclubs, but it was never busy. And yeah. they just, there was a certain point where they were trying to do the nightclub thing, but then they were also a church on Sunday mornings, which is hilarious to me. And uh, <laughs> now it's just a church. <laughs> I, I could teach a lesson on that if I was still teaching. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. So... Yeah, uh, you're here to talk about Us, mm-hmm. and um, before that, do you, you know, Us as a horror movie, Jordan Peele has made 100% horror movies in his career now, um, of two movies. Are you, Do you consider yourself a horror fan? It sounds like you are. I mean, The Village is a borderline horror movie. I'm, I'm more of a fan of the thriller. Okay. And the only reason why I say that is because there, there are horror movies that I feel like wrote rely too much on the gore mm-hmm. than like kind of the substance and the storytelling mm-hmm. and what i like about um thrillers is there's that subtle build-up mm-hmm. um to what makes it actually scary okay um so I, I think i'm more i'm more so thriller than actual horror okay yeah um so what do you think it is about jordan peele's movies that kind of transcend that horror thing right so if you look at jordan peele's career um get out is it's a horror thriller, right? He called it a social thriller or whatever, but there's a lot of horror elements to that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, if, you know, if I owned a blockbuster or something, uh, I'd be an insane person cause it's 2019. But also, <laughs> uh, if I were to file that movie, I would file it under horror, not thriller, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but th- that movie kind of like broke through the, the public consciousness to not like, to be accepted as not a horror movie. So what do you think it was about that movie that really broke through the the sort of horror movie stereotypes? It, you know, when I was watching it, it struck a really deep chord with me that I wasn't expecting. Hmm. Uh, I don't, because I, I don't want to get into it too soon, mm-hmm. but there was one point where um, they asked the tethered, who are you? And she looks back and in her raspy voice, she's like, we're Americans. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And then she's talking about how as good things happen to you, bad stuff happened to me. And I'm like, oh man, like in America, there's a lot of good things. Even when things are bad, there's a lot of good things that are still happening to us. We're a lot more privileged than other parts of the world or even other people within um, are the United States. And then we never really think about the effects we're having on them. Um, and I don't want to go back, get too deep into it. Cause that's like for later when we actually right. discuss it. But that kind of was just like, oh, man, like this is our kind of greed and our um, focus on ourselves coming after us. Okay. So at least that's how I kind of took it, which I think is, that's what made it scary to me. Okay. But that's us, right? Yeah, this is us. Yeah. So that that's us. Yeah. So what about Get Out? What did what did Get Out do that really set itself apart in the in the genre? Oh, um. I, it just it really sets you on edge. It, I, I don't even know how to describe it, why Get Out was so scary for me. Um, I think there, I think there is that fear, like especially. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna have to bring race into it because that's why it was scary. Mm-hmm. But like, say if I were to go to Oil Deal by myself, right? I would be really scared. Like that's like get out of here. What are yeah. you doing here? Yeah, get out. Or at least, yeah, yeah. And at least, at least it would have been that way. I think even five years. It's a lot different now, but five years ago. Like, that's what someone told me. It's like, hey, what are you doing here? Yeah. And so, 
Um, I think that's what scared me. I was like, hey, that's something I've always been told when I was younger. Um, but I think Get Out was also scary too because it's like he was dating someone he thought he could trust. Mm-hmm. He thought the family loved him and he was vulnerable. And that's when things went crazy. Yes. Have you seen Rosemary's Baby? I think I think I might have. No, no, I'm thinking of Desiree's Baby. No, I, I read a book similar to it, but no, I have not seen okay. Desiree's Baby. So, uh, when Get Out was 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 a thing, uh, Jordan Peele kept citing Rosemary's Baby as the biggest influence for um, that movie. I could see that, yes. And uh, to me, for my money, Rosemary's Baby is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Okay. Um, I've only seen it within the last right before get out came out maybe um mm-hmm. like the last three years i think and I, the movie terrified me and it wasn't it was exactly what you said it wasn't the demon baby part of it that yeah. was almost secondary to what was going on in the movie to me what scared me so much about that movie was that here was this woman in the midst of a pregnancy, which is a really vulnerable time for a woman, obviously. Not necessarily yeah. an experience I will ever relate to in my life. But, like, you know, you, we've all known a pregnant lady, right? And they have to rely on a lot of people around them, especially when they get to a certain point in their pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, to uh, to help them. And in this movie, every turn she makes... They're all against her. And so there's this extreme paranoia that runs through um, the middle of of Rosemary's Baby and also Get Out. And I think that cuts into a very universal um, trust issue that I think a lot of people have. And uh, I think that had something to do with it. I think also the idea of the sunken place right because get out get out is really it's a movie about race right very much so um but i think the sunken place isn't necessarily based in race you know obviously Mm -hmm. the 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 larger theme of that movie is the exploitation of black bodies by white culture like that basically it's basically about cultural appropriation right and how um, white people want to be like black people, but they don't want black people to be like black people. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's what makes it scary. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, but through that, there's this idea of the sunken place, and that's that you can be manipulated into this headspace that is very manipulative and malleable and really easy to be deceived by others and yourself mm-hmm. and that has that's disconnected from the racial conversation there yeah and that's what you heard most people talking about coming out of it because i think that's a very universal idea especially now in a day and age where we're talking way more about mental health and mm-hmm. anxiety and we're learning that like everyone has anxiety and depression yeah. um i think that uh the idea of the sunken place being this sort of catch-all term for self-deception uh lying to yourself being lied to by others and just kind of going with it and not really feeling like you have a choice in the matter Mm -hmm. um it really tapped into something 
conscious there, uh, something within the social consciousness. So, you know, I know, I know when, when, uh, when Kanye came out and he was like super into Donald Trump, right? Oh, a lot of people man. were, a lot of people were telling no, him like, you're in not. the, you're in the sunken place, you're in the sunken place. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it was not necessarily wrong to say that, but I think people were like, because you're a black man supporting well, Donald Trump, you're in the, the, it's the sunken be- place. I think it's also because he said slavery is a choice. And that's sure, when we knew yeah. he was definitely in that sunken place. <laughs> he was in sure. the chair. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. That's true. Um, I forgot about that, actually. I, I, <laughs> I sometimes forget, too. It wasn't until you had mentioned that. I was like, oh, yeah. He said that like that was a whole thing. Yeah, like he like that's the thing. Kanye tweeted about not being in the sunken place, and like I remember when it happened, I wanted so hard to believe he didn't say that. That I was like, no, this is probably what he meant. And then I saw the video, and I was like, oh, oh no, this is he straight up said that. <laughs> this yeah. is him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So with that, what? Uh, Jordan Peele is not necessarily known for his horror movies until Get Out. And now mm-hmm. I think he's becoming one of, I think he's setting himself up to go down in history as one of the greatest horror directors ever. I'm so excited for what's coming from him. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he is, his movies are, are now, after two movies, let's think about that for a second. After two movies, his movies are poised to be appointment viewing for people. Like, it is... Okay, we're going to see the Marvel thing, we're going to see the Star Wars, and we're going to see the new Jordan Peele, right? Like, yes. that's that's pretty big after two movies. And he does not have a background in horror as far as what he's known for. He's a comedy guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, how did he, how do you think he, like, finessed that move from comedy into horror? I think, I mean, I think comedy and horror is probably the, I think they're the same face of the same coin. Um, because he knows what makes you laugh, therefore he knows what's going to make you cry and get scared. And I think it kind of shows his comedic genius that, because like the thing is, I was watching Get Out, mm-hmm. and I also we saw Us, and it makes you laugh while it's scaring you at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I'm excited for that. And then because he has, uh, he's he's in charge of Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah, he's writing that, and yeah. I'm excited because I'm a big fan of like the old black and white Twilight Zones. Same. And it's one of my I'm, favorite shows of all time. Yes, like um, I think it's "Times Not Enough." Or, oh yeah, yeah. Is that the? That's not the library one. Is that it? is the library. Yeah. Okay. Or, yeah, and he's like, "Why do you do these things to me?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm excited for that because I know he's going to make me laugh and scare the mess out of me, and I think it's just because he knows people so well and what they respond to. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. As a matter of fact, I was like, "Do you listen to the show?" Because I say. Horror and comedy are two sides of the same coin all the time on this show. Really? Yeah, I say it all the time. And here's their thing is there's, right, so it's the exact same structure, right? Mm-hmm. Set up, punchline, set up, punchline, set up, scare, set up, scare. It's exactly the same mechanism, yes. but it's on the opposite. It's it's The idea of it is to get past any sort of wall you have up. Mm-hmm. into your most primal instinct to elicit some sort of either a fear reaction or a comedy reaction in you. Like it's this way to open the window to someone's brain and sort of just sneak a thought in there. Yes. And Jordan Peele is so good at that on the comedy side. Um, you know, if you watch Key and Peele, 
right? That's his that's his claim to fame mm-hmm. is Key and Peele, which is an, one of the all time great yes. comedy sketch shows. That show is incredible. Um, it hit at the right time. It hit mm-hmm. on the right issues. They really, really used the social media YouTube clip, you know, posting thing to their advantage. Um, just it was it was just like that thing was on all cylinders all yes. the time. But if you hear Keegan-Michael Key talk about it versus Jordan Peele talk about it, the things they prioritized in their creation of the show were completely different. So Keegan-Michael Key, he's a showman, right? He's very, even if you listen to him on a podcast, he's on. He's like that kind of guy, right? Yeah. If you listen to Jordan Peele, he's a lot more contemplative. He's a lot more thoughtful um, than, than Keegan-Michael Key is. And I think that's what worked is Jordan Peele was concerned about writing good jokes for the show. And then he also had to act in it. Keegan-Michael Key wants to be a performer. And I think Jordan Peele wants to be a writer. And over the course of that show, he demonstrated some of the best genre deconstruction I have ever seen anywhere. Um, Like this side of like a Lord and Miller movie, I think. Um, but if you watch, you know, uh, like like the the bellhops, right? The the guys talking about like oh, Liam Neeson's and like all, like taken, so yeah. good, right? Or like he and Jordan Peele is the the premise guy for all of that stuff, and mm-hmm. he just like he took this idea of like excitedly talking about a movie with your good friend and like made it this hilarious sketch <laughs> or. Like, the substitute getting all the names wrong. Mm -hmm. That's such a universal thing, right? Like, everyone had that experience. I Actually, I think it's the the very last punchline that they do, though. When they're, the last two seasons, they're just driving in a car. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to their first joke. And it's them trying to make it, talk about their wives behind their back. Oh. Which I'm not saying that's a universal thing, but I am saying making jokes behind someone's back is a universal yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't want anyone to get in trouble. So. <laughs> sure. <laughs> there are married men on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think it's that too. Is like he takes time to build up and like actually he, he takes that risk. Like mm-hmm. he built up a joke over the course of two seasons that looked really boring and then delivered on that last one. And I think that's what sets him apart is he... He takes risks. Like, I feel like Get Out and Us is a real risk. Like, it could have been... It very easily could have been a lame movie and people just, like, ignored it. Yeah. But, um, no, he got a lot of fanfare from everybody. Yeah. I mean, the movie was nominated for Best Picture. He won Best Director Mm -hmm. that year at the Oscars. That's insane. Like, that is unheard of for a horror movie. I think the last time a movie you could maybe categorically even call a horror movie to do that was Silence of the Lambs in 1991. Um, mm-hmm. which, because I haven't necessarily seen Silence of the Lambs except for like one key point, which is the I think when he's like putting on the lipstick and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the, oh, that's an us. Yes, yeah. And I saw that. I was like, Silence of the Lambs. I didn't even like, make that connection. Yeah, I was like, like the whole lipstick thing with like the the blood and stuff coming mm-hmm. down. I was like, I was like, this is Silence of the Lambs. Like this is exactly like the yeah. feeling it's giving me. Yeah, yeah, I did not think of that. So, yeah, I think that'll transition us into our talk about Us, which is the latest movie from Jordan Peele. Uh, you know, his career trajectory so far mimics that of another director we've talked about on this episode, and that is M. Night Shyamalan, right? So, yes. M- oh, no, so that's the last horror movie that was nominated for Best Picture, The Sixth Sense. That was really good. So, M. Night Shyamalan comes on the scene, 1999, right? Mm-hmm. The Sixth Sense. 
it's a phenomenon. Like everyone knew that movie. Everyone, there was, he added a cultural touchstone with that movie in the phrase, I see dead people. Everyone knew that phrase. People who didn't see the movie knew that phrase. That movie like broke through into the social consciousness the way Get Out did with the idea of the sunken place. Yes. The other thing that happened is uh, people started saying, oh, he's the next Hitchcock, right? He's the next Hitchcock. That's what everyone said about M. Night Shyamalan. I've seen that at least six or seven times with us. Um, so Jordan Peele has a lot riding on his shoulders for this second feature, as did M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan chose to sort of break with tradition and go with Unbreakable as his second feature, which paid off 20 years later. Um, (laughs) But at the time, not really. It was kind of, it wasn't lukewarmly received, but everyone was kind of like, what is this? Like, this isn't the sixth sense. What are you, like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? And then he went back with Signs as, as his third movie, and people were like, there it is. That's that's what I like. And Jordan Peele did the opposite. He decided to double down on the horror and make way more of a down-the-line horror movie than Get Out was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so Us is about a family on vacation in Santa Cruz, of all places, which I did not know. Um, getting away for the summer and going to uh, their the, the matriarch's uh, family's beach house for the summer. And um, then a, a, a set of doppelgangers of the family shows up at the house. Yes. That's the movie. Like, that's, you know, we do a kind of big level overview of the plot of the movie. That's it, right? Like, we'll get into more spoilery specific stuff. It's a really simple setup. Yeah. And so's Get Out, which is guy goes to meet his girlfriend's parents and it's kind of awkward it's guess who coming to dinner but like the worst case scenario yeah yeah exactly oh, i never thought of that <laughs> yeah um and then uh yeah us is just it's just it's just a straight down the middle like doppelganger the home invasion thing mm-hmm. and that's that's about it for the plot of the movie they've got to escape them yeah that's that and and it goes from there and you know, on paper, it's a really simple setup. In execution, it's not simple. I do not want, I, I don't want to mince words here. It is not simply executed. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's pretty traditional. There's not a lot of bells and whistles on the thing. Um, and it works. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, man, like, I, you know, they say the sophomore slump and you know, the the second movie for, or a second album or second piece of art or whatever is n- not as good as the first. So not comparing the two because they're apples and oranges, but Get Out versus Us, like, what, what do you think? Do you think Jordan Peele has maintained the same level of quality? Do you think it's... I, oh, um, yeah, because they very much are apples and oranges. But I think... I think he, I like us a little bit better than Get Out. Me too. Yeah. Um, don't I mean, don't get me wrong. I and that's I still like Get Out, but mm-hmm. us us gave me a couple of things I wasn't expecting. Um, you did get that whole kind of like they're everywhere zombie esque feel, um, but then it also kind of solved out kind of like a vampire movie where you kill the head vampire and then they all kind of go dormant. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had like those other elements of horror movies that I like, but. Um, 
yeah, it was just... I think I like the comedy with the horror. Mm-hmm. Like when they... Um, <laughs> I forgot her name. Um, but it was the wife. Um, she was being killed by her doppelganger. Oh, uh, Elizabeth Moss is the actress. Yes. I don't remember the character's name. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss. M- Moss, when she's dying. And she says, stop. And then her... her oh, the Alexa stops playing. Yeah, the Alexa stops. And then she said, call the police. And then NWA starts playing. Yes. <laughs> and so it's like that comedy in the midst of like the horror and her being portrayed by what looks to be her husband. Yeah. Um, that That's what really drew, drew me in. That's what we didn't really have with get, I want to say get out per se. Right. Because we already knew that he's going to be portrayed, betrayed by the girlfriend. Um, but with the husband, it was like her looking up into his eyes and him taking her, like about to take her hand for a little bit and then drawing back and going psych. Yeah. And then you're just like, because you, yeah, anyways. Um, no, I, I think that's really good. I think that, I think that Us is obviously a very different movie than Get Out, but I think it's no less confident. Um, yeah. If anything, winning Best Director has emboldened him to take bigger swings for the fences. Mm-hmm. Um man this movie is gorgeous it's so pretty it's such a pretty looking movie and he gets so many cool shots like oh my gosh this movie looks so good there's even in the opening scene there's so much good and this gets into one of my criticisms a little bit later that they they went and spelled it out for everyone and i didn't necessarily like that but there's so yeah. much good foreshadowing in just that opening sequence mm-hmm. that I was picking up on as the movie went along. And even into the lighting, like the transition of her leaving the comforting light of the carnival into the darkness of the vision quest or whatever. Oh my gosh. I, I just want to say something about the vision quest. Did you notice how back in the day it, it was, was the Native American? Yeah. And then it all of a sudden it changed to become like more culturally appropriate. Yep. I, I did laugh at that part. It made me laugh, too. Yeah. It made me laugh, too. So, yeah, the movie is much funnier than Get Out, I felt like. Get Out is yeah. funny in spots. But I think this one, it's not a comedy, necessarily. But there oh, is not. a lot of jokes in it. And they're really funny. Um, I don't know how your audience reacted to the comedy. Mine kind of seemed like they didn't understand it. Uh, I know you saw it with an LA crowd. Yeah, they, I saw it they, they, they were dying. Okay. Yeah. Good. Because mine, like, I got shushed for laughing at something because someone thought it was supposed to be scary. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> when he fell off the boat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious, man. It was, that was my favorite joke in the whole movie because it just, like, they just take this victory and just snatch it away from him immediately. And it was super funny. Um, and then, yeah, like the, the, it being Merlin versus the shaman, like I mm-hmm. thought that was really clever. Um, or the boat names, the boat names. Yeah. So, yeah. Like the, the crawdaddy, the crawdaddy. And then the biot, the biot. Yeah. Yeah. Biotch, I guess. <laughs> yacht. Yacht. Anyway, biot. Yeah. Uh, no, I thought, um, I thought the performances in this movie were outstanding across the board there's not a weak link in this cast man like yeah everyone is at the top of their game um winston duke who i kind of had a problem with in the trailer it sounded like he was dropping his accent a little too much because he's british 
I really liked him in this movie, man. Yeah. I thought he was great. But, and even the kids, man, like the kids were mm-hmm. so good. The Such kids good. were the creepiest part. They were so creepy. Yeah. They were so creepy. And I say that with like the, the best of ways, but the kids were creepy. They were so, all of the kids, the twins, mm-hmm. the twins were super creepy. Yeah. Um, the flipping, like I never knew I'd be so scared of seeing someone do a somersault. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is, so this movie takes a lot of really innocuous things and makes them horrifying. Yeah. So, you know, there's these twins that are super into gymnastics and their doppelgangers are super into gymnastics and it's super creepy. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, you see him do a cartwheel and you're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) you know, he, he sets an entire, you know, family murder to good vibrations by the Beach Boys. (laughs) And as soon as he said play Beach Boys and it started playing good vibrations, I was like, oh no, it's about to pop off, isn't it? Like he's going, he's going to do this. Jordan Peele, what are you doing? Um, No, there's a lot of like great moments like that in this movie. And I think it helps it. it, it, The movie feels really propulsive. I think Mm -hmm. it moves forward really fast um, because we don't. I mean, it's such a simple setup that we just kind of get like, uh, I, I don't even know, man. We get an extended intro that's really important to the creepy stuff happening later on, mm-hmm. which is this little girl finding her doppelganger in a fun house at the Santa Cruz Pier. And then yeah. we get the the family on vacation in present day. And we find out it's the same house where the little girl was. And we then come to know that it's the little girl is Lupita Nyong'o's character. Mm-hmm. And then they the doppelgangers show up and start wreaking havoc. And that's then it just goes from there. It just takes off, man. It's a freaking rocket ship yeah. of a movie. And that's the thing I, I like about this movie is it gives you the answers and to what actually is going to happen. All in the opening. Mm-hmm. But you don't really... Cl- and, until it's later and you're like, oh, hey, this. And then it's like... Ah. And then, so, but like going, I feel like if I saw it again, I'd be like, oh, okay. It's, yeah, this is, it was kind of obvious now, but yeah. it's, I yeah. kind of like that. So that was actually one of my criticisms of the movie is in this opening sequence, you see all these elements that are coming and come back later in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it basically is the plot of the movie as the woman, uh, or as the little girl walks through the pier. And I liked that a lot. I like that so much. But at the end of the movie, when it's explaining kind of what the, you know, the 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 ultimate point of everything was, it kind of goes and shows you every little moment of that. And I almost wish he would have left at least some of them out. That way, like, mm-hmm. it would reward multiple viewings. But... Now we've seen every single shot and how it corresponds to what ultimately happens in the movie at the end of the movie. And it's like, well, why would I see this again? You know, because now yeah. there's nothing to look for because you showed me everything. The magician revealed his secrets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it was that was actually really frustrating for me because I like a movie that rewards you for being an engaged viewer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when you're watching a movie, you need to be a, a, a participant in it. Um, and I think a movie that rewards its viewers for watching the movie well is really good. And I think, you know, someone like, like Christopher Nolan, right? Like the prestige, uh, that's an amazing movie. And every time I watch it, I notice some new little detail about it. 
Because it's not all spelled out for you at the end of like, and then mm-hmm. I did this, and then I did this, and remember when this happened, it was because of this. It lets you watch the movie and go, oh, it's for when later when this happens. And I just wish the movie would have done more of that because yeah. I feel like it telegraphs what it's doing a little too much. Mm-hmm. And I think Get Out was better in that regard of kind of not really showing you, hey, this is where all this was leading to the whole time. Yeah. Um, and even like spelling out the references he's using. Now, the Silence of the Lambs one is good because there's not an explicit reference to it. But mm-hmm. like the kid wearing the Jaws shirt and then they have like a scary scene on a beach that shot almost exactly like the first shark attack in Jaws. Now, Jaws is my favorite movie of all time. I've seen it dozens of times. Yes. So I was very tuned in to that wavelength. Uh, pun not intended about them being at the ocean. Uh, I was very tuned into that idea of, oh, he's going to do a Jaws thing in this. And he totally did. He did it really well. It looks great. Um, and if you're not necessarily paying attention, I think you won't notice it. But I was like, okay, where's the Jaws in this? And it was the whole sequence. And it was really cool. But at the same time, I was like, I wish you wouldn't have put the shirt on the kid. Yeah. And would have just let me figure out, oh, he's doing like the shark attack from Jaws, but it's on the beach instead of in the ocean. Because mm-hmm. that's really clever. I think that is really clever. And I think that letting the audience figure that out would have been nice. And even, you know, at the end with the dance sequence, we'll talk about that later. That, yeah. Super creepy, but very like, get it? It's my thriller. And it's like, yeah, man, you put the shirt on her. Oh, I never... Put that together. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Okay. Yeah, we've got to talk about that one later. Yeah. So, um, did you have any major issues with uh, with the movie at all? Those so, weren't major issues. So, kind of... Yes and kind of no. It's not necessarily the movie per se, but it's more so how much was revealed online through just discussions and stuff like that. Like, mm. had I not known that um, the doppelgangers were going to be there for everybody... Mm-hmm. Um, then I would have been like, oh, that would have been like amazing. But see, I already knew that the other family was going to have their own doppelgangers because that was already released in like the casting details. Oh. Yeah. So I wish like that was kept private and more so just like the family. Because then when they were like, oh, we're going to go across the water to the other ones. I'm like, oh, we're going to be there too. I already know that because of the pre, the pre-marketing and all that yeah. stuff for it. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that actually. And I kind of was wondering when they showed up at their house... Uh of is this for everyone is it the whole town of santa cruz and then it became like no it's america or the world maybe it's Mm -hmm. i think it's america um so i actually did not know that okay um yeah so he has jam-packed this thing with references and symbolism and uh just you know homages to things he loves and and other things what were some of the ones that stuck out to you? I know we talked about Jaws um, and Thriller already. Yeah, he targeted the whole uh, conspiracy theory about like America doing experiments on people to like for mind control. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think that's also a thing that comes up in uh, Stranger Things because their yeah. whole is like MK Ultra mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yep. Um, so that's something that stood out. Um, what's the other thing that stood out? I think I like the whole house aspect. Um, I think I think the term is like um, a bottle. Oh, it's like a, a show that's just like it's all in one room. Oh, like of. a bottle episode? Yeah, a bottle episode. And so I feel like them being in that house for a little bit was kind of like a bottle, like a bottle episode-esque. Yeah. 
Um, and that kind of gave you like that claustrophobic feel. Um, and then when you saw them kind of run the family different places, I was like, how are they going to come back together and overtake them? And at one point it's just like, oh, someone's going to die. Yeah. Like they're not coming back. And it very, it felt very real that Lupita Nyong'o's character was going to die. Um, because I mean, she's still technically there, so she could die very early on. Right. So, um, it, it did kind of leave me guessing. Yeah, I, no, I like that. I, I that too. Um, something that keeps coming out in the in the movie is a Bible verse, Jeremiah eleven. 11. I looked it up in the middle of the. So I looked it up before. I that that's one of the few things I knew. I didn't know much about the movie going into it. I intentionally avoided a lot of stuff besides the trailers, and the trailers did a really good job of not giving anything away. Yeah. Um, it's Jeremiah eleven eleven keeps coming up, and. This show isn't, we've talked about this before, this show isn't an explicitly Christian podcast, right? If you want that, go to Real World Theology. They're great. I've been on the show a couple times. They're friends. So, full disclosure there. But it's a really good podcast that looks at not necessarily Christian movies through a Christian lens. Uh, Now, I'm a Christian, obviously. I've been on the show. Kyle, you're a Christian. We uh, we teach or have taught Bible study uh, in the same ministry for a while now. And um, that's how we know each other. We know each other through church. And I feel like it's really important when a movie presents us with such an easy Christian avenue to discuss um, that we do discuss it. So I do want to talk about that. My So my version says, therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I am bringing disaster upon them that they cannot escape. Though they cry to me, I will not listen to them. Okay. I was reading this and there are different points in the movie where it's just like, oh, I could see them. Like they're doing the cry thing and it's not helping. Mm. Yeah. Because that, that was a theme actually I feel like throughout. Yep. Um, because they kept calling the cops. And the cops were like, hey, sorry, we're on hold. Mm-hmm. And then even when, um, um, oh, I forgot her name. Um, but when she's saying uh, help, call the police and it starts playing NWA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of calling out, but there's like no one to hear them. There's no one to hear them scream. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and so the movie like, so I read this before I saw the movie and I was like, okay, hang on a minute though. What's the context of this verse? And it's definitely like one of those Old Testament God's furious because of a broken covenant thing. Yes. So uh, it's, and it's, it's about Egypt, obviously, um, or not Egypt, Israel, Um you know, they didn't follow what they were supposed to do. So they're in trouble with the Lord. So, again. Again. And so uh, I was, we, when I read the verse, I was like, okay, you're just cherry picking, right? Like they've done nothing in the movie to warrant this kind of punishment. Like, I feel like they have though. Which is lived a privileged life without. Well, that's the thing. They only care about their things. Because oh. I, I noticed with between the guys, it was all about competing, like who had better staff. And then okay. even with the the women, and that's necessarily Lupita Nyong'o's because she was comfortable with herself. Right. But the woman was like, "Oh, I got this done. I'm gonna do it gradually." Mm-hmm. And it was all about them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll give it to you. I okay. All right. That's fine. <laughs> um, and then at the end of the movie, the Lupita Nyong'o doppelganger character says that she saw god the night that they performed um what what do you think that was about oh well that's interesting i don't know 
Because I was kind of confused with that because it showed, you know, the, the ballet, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's the idea. So the idea is that the doppelgangers are tethered to the the people in our world. So the idea is that if you're in our world right now and you're sitting on your couch listening to this, somewhere underneath America, there is a clone of you that is tethered to your soul, that is being tortured, that is being, uh, you know, forced to feed um, nothing but raw rabbit meat and that's all um so that's that's like the conspiracy theory aspect of it is mm-hmm. that the government was making these clones to control people but they couldn't give them their own identity it's this the identity is running through the is is one of the running themes in the movie that we'll talk about in a second mm. um and just like what it is to be the self right even the, the the vision quest thing says find yourself, right? And you see the girl find her doppelganger in it, and then that's where she ends up going and seeing the the facility where they keep the tethered um, throughout it. And so she she when you do actions in the real world, like I'm moving my hand right now in the tethered world, they're doing like bastardized versions of the actions you're doing in our world. And Lupita Nyong'o's character gives this final speech before the final showdown, this final villain monologue about how there was a night where she danced ballet and after the ballet, she saw God and it shows the rest of the tethered laying their hands on her. And she says, I found my faith that night. I realized that we needed to bring about this untethering and just show the world that we're here, which is why we got the red jumpsuits and mimicked the Hands Across America campaign, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, by the was. way, I thought that was great. Um, but I didn't really understand what she meant by I saw God that night and found my faith because it almost seemed like she became God to the tethered that night. Yeah, I, I I kind of feel like she raised herself up technically as an idol if we're gonna okay. go Christian on it. Sure, um, because yeah, she became the like, hey, I'm gonna tell you all what to do, kind of like mm-hmm. hive mind. I don't, I don't know what she meant by that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was a little confused by that. I don't know that this movie has quite the social commentary aspect that Get Out does. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a more personal movie. I think it's a more introspective movie. I think it's a movie, not that Get Out isn't personal. Obviously, it's about Jordan Peele's experience as a black man in, in America. Yeah. Um, but I think this is a more inward-facing movie, right? Whereas um, Get Out is about a lot of how black people interact with the world and the world interacts with them. Um, I think this movie isn't really doesn't really have anything to say about the black experience whatever that is yeah, which i thought it was going to going in right because like i mean because they were talking about like tethered and then obviously it's the doppelgangers and i thought well and this is kind of a a, a black unique experience but there, there's a difference between how you act in public versus how you act behind closed doors mm, like code switching and stuff yes like that. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah, see okay that's the other thing i like going to this church because you guys know about this stuff other places i go they're like oh what is that but you guys like 
this is a very woke shirt. <laughs> I'm very appreciative. Yeah. But there is code switching and stuff that happens. And I thought that's what this movie was going to be about. Not at all. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Not <laughs> which, even kind of. Which I, I was actually kind of relieved. I was like, oh, good. I don't have to like think about this. Yeah. Well, there's a, like, a, li- there's a little bit of it, but it doesn't really have anything to say about it. It's just like when the family won't leave, like Winston Duke's character, or when the doppelganger family won't leave, mm-hmm. like Winston Duke's character goes out there and he's like, hey, like trying to prank us you're fine and then he like goes and tries to use like i'm a giant intimidating black guy voice and it like doesn't work at all yeah and that's like the only bit of like code switching that really happens but speaking of that i do like the fact that he was representing like the howard um like hbcu on his shirt Mm -hmm. um because it kind of reminded me of 90s black sitcoms where they would represent different um historically black colleges on their on their sweaters as kind of a plug to go to college and stuff. Mm. So I did see that and I like that. That was okay. Yeah, I hadn't made that connection, but yeah. I'm also not black, so. <laughs> <laughs> but um, actually, I was I was kind of looking, trying to I was looking at the rest of the, the passage. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I think okay, so she said, in this moment, I saw God. Mm-hmm. And in this, I was kind of like I was reading. Ahead. I I feel like I should have already known this passage. Sure. Um, but. He was saying how, like, their destruction would rise up and would come against them. Um, and maybe it could be that, like, she was the destruction against the the not-tethered who were enjoying life. Right. And so maybe that's when she saw God or saw her calling to rise up and kind of strike everybody down. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I guess that ties in directly with the Jeremiah 11, 11 that keeps popping up yeah. in, the, in the movie. Um, yeah, and... You know, I, I feel like it almost even could have been a, like, a slavery thing or, uh, you know, there's several, there's several, like, socially conscious ways that I thought the movie was going to go and it didn't. Like, it, it like, kind of, like, brushed up against them ever so slightly. Like, it yeah. caressed that, but never really got too concerned with it, which I think is interesting considering how much get out was concerned with that i figured yeah. it was ju- that was just gonna be his brand now which is like socially conscious horror and this is just like i don't know it's a conspiracy and there's some effed up shiz that happens in it and that's that's it and i wonder like how many people survived mm-hmm. yes that's the thing we it, saw helicopters flying but yeah like... yeah and so you touched on the conspiracy of like mk ultra and mind control and stuff like that in the background of this movie, there is another movie, almost like a, you know how like there's Walking Dead and like Fear the Walking Dead. Yes. There's this other version of us that I want to see made um, that is about the same events from a different perspective. And that is at the Denver airport. Are you familiar with the Denver airport? I'm not. Okay, so. I am obsessed with the Denver airport. One of my bucket list items is to have to be at the Denver airport for any reason. Um, (laughs) So the movie opens talking about how there's thousands of miles of tunnels underneath the United States. Yes, which is scary to me. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? There's a a bunch here in town. I've heard because I I heard like we had like an old subway station or something, maybe. Mining. A lot of mining. Yeah. Um, There's a couple antique stores downtown that have basements and if you go in the basement of the antique stores uh you can totally see the tunnels like you can just stare right into them and they seem 
haunted AF. Like, yeah. they seem super haunted, there's man. A, there's a lot of places downtown I feel are haunted. Yeah. Um, Padre, the biggest little Californian. BHS. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, the movie starts out by saying this, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. I was like, is this, is this, are they going to be at the Denver airport? Because that is the probably the most famous useless tunnel system. There's this entire tunnel system running underneath uh, the Denver airport, and it's completely abandoned. There's no real reason for it. Mm-hmm. There's no, no one knows really what it was used for. The uh, They say that it was supposed to be for like a luggage carrying system that was never implemented, but there's no equipment down there. It's not, it, 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 no one really knows why there's tunnels underneath it. There's also uh, a giant blue horse outside of the Denver airport that has glowing red eyes. And um, I've seen this horse. I think I've seen pictures of this horse. It has a giant penis. Like, it's anatomically correct. I've seen this horse. I thought it had to do with, like, Sleepy Hollow and stuff. Cause... So they say it's for the Denver Broncos. But that's not what the Denver Broncos looks like. It's not, no. Also, it had to be finished by another sculpture, a sculptor, because the head of the horse fell off and killed the original sculptor. Oh, wow. Yep. Uh, also, there is this mural at the Denver airport. Um, it's called In Peace and Harmony with Nature. And it is the scariest thing I've ever seen. Because it is this, like, um, like foot soldier Gestapo-looking guy. That's on the wall at the Denver oh, airport. I've seen this man. picture before too. Oh wow! I'm yeah, I'm familiar with this art. Yeah, all of this is at the Denver airport. There's also all kinds of Masonic symbols and uh, something dark happened at the Denver airport. Something. So the common conspiracy theory is that in the event of some sort of nuclear holocaust or something, that the president and high-ranking government officials are to be taken straight there. And sent into the tunnels, which connect to uh, the Rockies, and that there's some sort of secret base for them in the Rockies. Okay, which uh, I think a lot of movies have used that have have used that arc archetype or that that story arc. Yes. Yeah. So the version of us I want to see is just like people traveling on holiday, and then all of a sudden they just started getting assaulted by their doppelgangers mm-hmm. on airplanes. I guess that would be a little too, like, 9-11 traumatic. I hadn't thought about that. They still made snakes on a plane. They, that's true. That's true. Um, and, like, in the airport, just, like, pouring out of these tunnels under the Denver airport, or, mm-hmm. like, a, maybe even it was a secret Trojan horse for the tethered. Like, I, I don't know. Something like that. So that was the secondary movie that was playing in my brain. And I liked us quite a bit, but I was like, man, I wanted this to be at the Denver airport so bad. Yeah. Um, I'd settle for LAX too. I mean, yeah, that's oh, a yeah. horrifying place. Yep. No, Las Vegas, because they have an intense t- tunnel system underneath oh, for yeah. all the rain and stuff. I mean, people yeah. live down there. Really? Yeah. Whoa. They, yeah, yeah. Actually, like, they have a huge homeless problem. And so the homeless will go into those tunnels and actually live, like, 
they they did a documentary. And it's like a full on house. Like what? people have like their own like homes, like living room, beds and stuff like that. That's crazy. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's like a. I don't know if it was Vice. It was something, but I'm sure it was Vice. Vice yeah, I <laughs> that, Vice has everything. Yeah, that sounds exactly like something <laughs> Vice would make. Um, whoa, I'm totally looking that up as soon as we're done recording. Oh yeah. Um, so the big twist at the end of us. Uh, so what happens is Lapita Nyong'o gives this big villain speech to Lupita Nyong'o. So the tethered version of Lupita Nyong'o gives this big speech to the untethered version. A huge fight scene centered around the ballet Mm -hmm. uh, ensues. And it's great. It's so so well executed. It looks amazing. The choreography is great. It's it's dope, man. I Mm -hmm. really like that sequence. And untethered Lupita kills tethered Lupita. And kind of like you said... Technically, yeah. tethered, yeah. untethered Lupita kills... No, no, no. Yeah, no, you're right. Tethered Lupita kills untethered Lupita. So the movie ends with untethered Lupita coming to the realization that she is actually tethered Lupita because she choked herself as a child and made her pass out and drug the untethered Lupita into the tethered facility... And switched places with her. So she has technically won. Yeah. However, she does not remember this until she's driving away to Mexico, presumably, uh, Mm -hmm. with her family. Why Mexico? uh, Because that's a horror movie trope. Um, oh, okay. That's well, a, a lot of a lot of horror, especially zombie movies. will yes. say like, let's let's go to Mexico because we can just put our backs against the ocean or Antarctica because viruses don't spread up there. Sure, except in the thing. <laughs> um, so she realizes that she has actually accomplished what tether uh, untethered Lupita wanted because. There was this sort of Stockholm syndrome or nature versus nurture or being a product of your environment versus your environment being a product of you mm-hmm. situation going on where, um, you know, even though she was untethered, untethered Lupita has become this like she's become a tethered, right? Mm-hmm. Through no other means than her environment made her one. And tethered Lupita became untethered Lupita because... Of her environment. She grew up in, you know, that home where she was loved and and had a, you know, nurturing environment. So I have two questions about that for you, Kyle. One, do you think that she is now reveling in the fruit of her labor, labor? That this was something she had planned all along from the time she was a child? And she was this mastermind behind it the entire movie and that recontextualizes the entire movie? Or do you think that she was unaware of what the situation was until she had the, they were these sort of suppressed locked away childhood memories because of her past trauma that suddenly got unlocked by seeing the people she grew up with doing the hands across America. And, has she accepted that she is now the leader of them? Do you think she's going to go on and, and help them become 
society. Also, sorry, third question. Did you like that twist or no? Oh, well, okay. I think the easiest one to say is I don't know if I like the twist. All right. And the reason why is because I feel like it left a lot of things unresolved. Okay. Like, how did she control all of them from just, like, from from where she was? Mm-hmm. Like, it, to my knowledge, it didn't seem like that she had, like, a communication system or anything. And right. they couldn't talk either. Um, so I'm not, again, I, I earlier I said hive mind. Maybe she has, like, a mental connection to the rest of them. Because mm-hmm. they do have that between their tethered. Yeah. Um, and then I think... Okay, here's my thing. I think she knew all along that she was a tethered. Really? Um, simply because, I mean, she she treated bodies with her. And then she also talked about her anxiety, how she was always anxious that there was this little girl after her. And I think mm. I think it was because she knew she was after her because she traded places. Like, she was over there being shady and, and totally choked her out and left her, like, handcuffed. When she could have just went and been like, hey, I'm your twin. Yeah. Take me in. Um, she they they could have just enjoyed sisterhood together. Oh wow, it could have been like their own version of sister sister. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> tethered tethered. But <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't do that, and so she was in, she was she was always anxious because um, because she traded places, and it could be Stockholmsy where she kind of like. Her childhood suppresses it because I know as a child you kind of suppress a lot of stuff mm-hmm. or retell the story in a way that you can process. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that happened and then now and as an adult she relives all this. She can finally breathe because the other her is gone and that's when the reality actually sets in of like this is what actually happened. Yeah. And then you're tethered. So I'm still kind of playing with that. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I think it's sort of the Inception ending. I've been making a lot of Christopher Nolan comparisons on this episode i'm sorry about that well no it's christopher uh, nolan and m night so we're, we're yeah that's true i'm gonna let hitchcock hitchcock in oh there. yeah for yeah. sure um but i think I, I think it is the inception ending right so inception mm-hmm. ends with the top spinning and you don't know whether it's a dream or it's reality it ultimately doesn't matter right yeah. it's it's an ambiguous ending but it's not it, it, it threads the needle really well of um, making it so that either version of the movie you want to accept is still a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I think that that, you know, if you want to be more optimistic and say, oh, I think that, you know, she has overcome this desire um, and she's just happy to be with her family and she's happy that she got out of her tethered situation and that's why she's smiling at her son mm-hmm. at the end. I think you can read it that way and I think you can be satisfied with it. Okay, that right there, I felt like that was more of a threatening smile. Like, it if was, you say anything, I will kill you. Yeah, you're right. Um, but let me finish the point anyway. Sorry, sorry, so, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I think if you do, you can also read it the more sinister way. The more traditionally horror way. And that's still a satisfying movie. And it's like real. It's whether or not you want the movie to be mean or not. Basically, right? Because mm-hmm. if you do accept the the sort of she's been, you know, puppet mastering this whole thing all along. That's a really dark ending for the movie to have. Yeah. And it's a really mean thing to happen in a movie. Um, 
And I don't like particularly mean movies, but I think that is great. I really, yeah. I really like the twist either way, actually. I, it's sort of easy to kind of tell. Like, even earlier in the movie, I was kind of like, did they switch? And I never really went and revisited that, but I had the thought at some point, and I didn't really, I didn't really come back to it and be like, oh, they definitely switched. So when the movie explained, like, they definitely switched, I was like, that makes sense. But it Mm -hmm. wasn't this shocking revelation to me. What I will say about that, though, is because it's not this huge shock, I think that almost works better because the whole movie isn't hinged on that, right? Yeah. So if a movie's hinged on a twist, it's really hard to stand up to repeat viewings because you're just kind of like, okay, well, this is all the setup to this big Mm -hmm. twist that, you know, he was dead the whole time or whatever. This movie, it's. Not, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to say it's secondary. I don't want to say the twist is secondary. I think it is functional to the plot, and I think it's essential to the plot. But I don't think the whole movie is like this big build-up to like, they were switched the whole time! Crazy! I think it's just a plot element. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it does that very well. I actually really liked that. Um, and I liked kind of thinking about it from both ways. Although I think you might be right. I think it is... Maybe the diabolical ending more than the hopeful one. The reason, my, my thing with the diabolical ending, and I hope this happens for us, is um, we know with Get Out, he had an alternate ending that was a lot darker. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of like pulled his punch and it's like, oh, I'm not going to go with that hard. Yeah. So I'm hoping maybe there might be an alternate ending that's a lot darker. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he, he went all in and went with the whole dark intent. Yeah. So. That's true. I hadn't considered that, that he wanted it to end a little bit hopeful and he even says like the most unrealistic thing that happens in get out is he doesn't get shot by the police after killing white people um i'm gonna be honest i was expecting him to get shot well and that was the original movie that was (laughs) the original ending and then i think what happened is he saw it was happening so much Mm -hmm. like because when he when he had first conceptualized the movie i think it was only only listen to me it was only the oh man i don't even remember his name the um trayvon martin and mm-hmm. eric gardner were the only and then the the fruitvale station the guy in oakland who was killed on new year's eve that yes. ryan coogler made i think those were the only three and they were spaced out well trayvon martin and eric gardner happened pretty close to each other but there was a big gap of years between the guy in oakland and trayvon martin and then trayvon martin and eric gardner had happened pretty close to each other from what i remember yeah and then michael brown happened and then the 12 year old happened and so i think he had conceptualized the movie right when trayvon martin and eric gardner had happened and he was like okay so this is just like a social commentary on what's been going on and then it just kept happening so much and he was like you know what i'm gonna pull back I'm going to let him have this one because we need a win. <laughs> and yeah. Even if it's just a fantasy win, we need a win. and um, Or just a chance to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's uh, you, We need some sort of catharsis through mm-hmm. that. And I think movies can be very cathartic. And I think even horror movies can be very cathartic. And so that's why he went with that. Um, so he has demonstrated in the past that he is willing to go with a hopeful ending in a horror movie. Um so that now that throws my whole thing off again of like it could I, I'm back to either way now, right? <laughs> Where he has a history of doing the hopeful horror ending, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because he said that like 
everything's fine with the guy from Get Out now. Like he he was not charged with you know murder or anything. Like they they knew what was going on and it's fine. Um, so maybe maybe us is the same way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think, like I said, I don't think it ultimately matters, but I do think it's interesting to think about it. And I think it's an interesting point to think about. Yeah. And I really like the last shot of the big red line growing yes. across America and all the helicopters just kind of like, what the hell do we do now? Which that that's a good question. What do they do now? Um, yeah. I don't know that. And then, okay. Why can they both talk? Both the Pete and Yango's characters. Because one of them wasn't tethered, and the other one learned how to talk. Because remember when she oh. came out, uh, when she came out from being the tethered, she wouldn't talk. Oh, okay. And she learned through observation. And yeah. Then... But then the te- the untethered one that became the tethered one regressed in her speech because the other tethered can't talk. Okay. So that's why she had the super raspy voice, and it was tough for her to speak okay yeah that's that's I, honestly that one's been keeping me up for the past couple of nights i'm like why can they why can they both talk yeah like what is so different okay there yeah. you go yep um man i i liked a lot about this movie oh yes. i really liked how lupita died um when she mm-hmm. stabbed her with the fireplace poker and she started whistling and then she that made me laugh. Really? Yes. I thought she was going to throw something up. Like, I was like, what is she about to do right now? And then she started whistling and I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. I, no, it's because it's just like the most bizarre way to go. Like, of all the things you can do before you die, you just whistle. But that was the song that she was whistling in the funhouse at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. when she was real vulnerable and looking for safety from her parents again. I almost felt like it was a regression of like, oh, no, this is like in the toilet now. And like it was her becoming vulnerable again because she had put up this wall of, you know, having to deal with being a tethered, having to go from being untethered to being tethered. Yeah. Um, I, I think it also kind of echoed their um their relationship with each other because that's mm. how they met oh yeah mm-hmm. yep yeah. that's correct yep see this movie's got layers um yeah do you have anything else to say about get out or the us about us um there's literally so much that could be said but i think i think that's the the majority of oh except my favorite scene of the entire movie was when the boy, the little boy is in the closet with his tethered. Mm. And then he takes off the mask and he sees the face and then he just pulls the mask back down. He's like, okay, was not prepared. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's my favorite scene out of the entire, entire yeah. movie. Mine was, I really liked Lupita telling the fairy tale of the little girl and the shadow. Yes. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Lupita was outstanding in this movie, man. It's insane. She's such a good actress. And yeah. like, golly, she's so freaking good in this movie in both roles. She's so good. Yeah. I, like, I was like, I think I'm watching the first Oscar worthy, Oscar nomination worthy performance of 2019 mm-hmm. uh, in Lupita Nyong'o in this movie. I hope she gets nominated. I really, I don't know if I will like it 
a better female performance this year. <laughs> um, no, it was it was wild. Yeah, she was amazing, and she looked like she was having the time of her life. She mm-hmm. looked like she was having so much fun playing both of these characters. And uh, Kristen actually brought up a really good point where she was like, "It's really cool that all these people kind of got to play the the hero and the villain in the horror movie because that doesn't happen often." Yeah. And I was like, that's a good point. Um, I bet it was so much fun to film this movie. And, oh, I did want to talk about this. I really liked how, because the movie's pretty small budgeted and he spent the money on a really good cast Mm -hmm. of named actors. um, I really liked how, because of that, he couldn't afford to really CGI in the doubles too often. And it forced him to shoot with um, physical doubles, but not doppelganger doubles or someone wearing like a green sock over their face that they could then digitally add the the face of the person in. I think that forced him to be more creative in the way he shot some of the sequences and it yeah. made him way more tense. So like the scene where the little girl is facing off against the little girl across the car mm-hmm. and you see it go from like, over the shoulder of the doppelganger to over the shoulder of the girl. It's the same actress, obviously. And he just shot with like a double that was a similar size, but didn't necessarily look like her. So he shot over her shoulder. So her face wouldn't be in the shot. That was way scarier than if it was just like both of them the whole time. Yeah. And I really liked that. Uh, I also thought Tim Heidecker was hilarious in this movie. He was the husband yeah. He was super funny. His tethered will kill the body language. Yes. Yep. It was <laughs> my favorite joke in the whole movie. I think it's a tie for when Winston Duke knocks his doppelganger off the boat and he celebrates it and then immediately knocks himself off the boat too. That made me laugh super hard. And then when Tim Heidecker walks onto the boat looking for Winston Duke and he's just like got his hands on his hips. Yeah. So funny, man. Just the, 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 like you said, the, the body language of that, the tethered version of that character was so freaking funny. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard when he, cause I really liked, I really, really, really liked that shot that was like from Winston Duke's perspective out of the boat door. Mm-hmm. I really liked that shot of like first person perspective framed in a door. And then you're like, oh, something creepy is going to happen. And then that happens and you're like, what the <laughs> Really? Okay, what I like about the tether, his tethered version and then also Winston Duke's character is because they both have that goofy dad vibe. Yes. And I'll be completely honest, I, I hope that I get to be that goofy dad sure. one day, but they're sure. definitely dad goals. Yeah, I mean, I don't definitely. want to be tethered, but sure. dad goals in terms of the goofy. No, Winston yeah. Duke is definitely dad goals. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> Everything about him, I was like, yes. My hero. Even, even the boat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. And like how that keeps coming back and he's like, it pulls to the left. Um, and then he's like, I'm done with boats. No more boats. I also thought it was super funny that he tried to, Jordan Peele tried to do the dead calm. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that movie. It's a it's a movie with Nicole Kidman. Okay. Um, but it's about her escaping. It's a home invasion movie. And it ends with her shooting a flare gun into the mouth of the head burglar. And that's how she kills him. And so when you see the flare gun, I was like, he's going to do a dead calm homage. That's awesome. Like, no one no one remembers that movie. And then he totally botches it. And I was like, that's super funny. And then I really liked that he didn't show 
how Winston Duke killed the the tethered uh, Tim Heidecker character because and it just showed like Elizabeth Moss watching it mm-hmm. and she starts like screaming and then laughing. I thought that was super messed up and great. Her performance. She was too. really good. She was yeah. really good. They were both really good in the movie. I, like I said, all, there's not a bad performance across the board. Yeah. And it. the thing is, I've I hate to say it, but I think my only experience with seeing her act has been Mad Men. Me too. Yeah. Me too. So I, when I heard she was on this, I was like, I'm, I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know what it, what to expect. Yeah. And she, she killed it. No, she's great. Yeah. She's, and she's really good on Mad Men too, but yeah, she was really good in this movie a lot. I really liked her character or her performance a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when she was being like this Buffalo Bill Harley Quinn hybrid from Silence of the Lambs and like putting the, the scissors on Lupita's face and then taking them to her own face. I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, gender bent Joker. Yes. Here. That's like, what I was thinking too. Uh, and I, okay. So, cause again, I was still thinking of get out. So I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe she's going to cut off her face and then like take her face and put it on hers Oh, and uh-huh. some weird get out homage, but no, she just cut her face. Yep. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, just, I, I thought uh, her and... I, thought, I really liked the way he cast this movie because he cast people with such great faces. Mm-hmm. And so much of the tethered acting is in the face. It is. Um, and I thought that was a really smart choice. Like, Elizabeth Moss has a really... like they, No one looks like a movie star. Except maybe Winston Duke. Winston Duke because he's in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. And that's it. <laughs> um, yeah. And... But, I mean, he just kind of looks like a guy. You know, he's not like... He's obviously a handsome guy, but he's not, like, right, the most handsome guy out there. He just kind of looks like a good-looking dude you'd see in any town USA. I, I think what killed me was when he was trying to get, like, put his wife in the mood and everything and yeah. try and look his best. And he's just like, hey, babe, I'm, I'm here. I yeah. Just... <laughs> he was like, she was like, I, I think I'm going to go. And he was like, where are you trying to go? And I was like, respect. Good job, man. Shoot your shot. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah, he he casts really interesting faces over really like good looking faces. Like mm-hmm. Tim Heidecker is not the first choice I go to to cast in my movie because he's the guy from Tim and Eric. You know, he's mm-hmm. the Tim from Tim and Eric. Uh, Elizabeth Moss, maybe I can see that because she's been on other stuff, but she doesn't have like a classically movie star face, right? She's mm-hmm. got like quote unquote weird teeth. She's got pretty normal everyday person teeth, but not for a movie star, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think Lupita is maybe the most movie star looking person in that cast. Um, and even then she had trouble getting acting gigs uh, until 12 years a slave because she's too dark. I don't know if you've ever heard her talk that about that. That is actually a whole nother subject that I, I've, I've noticed Jordan uh, Peele tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he does tackle colorism cause that's a thing within the black community. Yeah. Um, in his movies and I appreciate him. Well, he's really light skinned. He's only half black. Yeah, but he still, like, he takes um, more darker skin mm-hmm. black people, or actually just black people from other places like the UK, like Winston yeah. Duke, and then from... Um, Gail Kaluuya is from the UK as well. Yeah, and then uh, Lupita Nyong'o, I think she's from, uh, is she from Kenya or Nigeria? I'm not she's sure. from, she's from Africa. I know she, I know. yeah, I know she's from Africa. I saw her do an interview with, um, well, I'm butchering everyone's names tonight, but he's from South Trevor Noah. Oh, okay. Yeah, which was hilarious. But 
he he's also bringing like the black diaspora into his movies and representing mm-hmm. them, and then also of a darker complexion, which you really don't see. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I know has plagued our community for quite some time. Not even looking into like racism and stuff like that from other races, just right. within our own. Right. Um, so I, I am thankful he tackles that too. Yeah, and I mean obviously. Like we stated, and anyone who's seen a picture of me knows, not a part of the black community. But I even know about those memes of like, you know, it'll be like, light-skinned dudes be like this. And it's like, (laughs) you know, like that's a thing that even I'm aware of, and I'm not even in that community. So I've I've seen that on the outside even. I think, yeah, I think social media has really changed our community because a lot of the things that were on the inside that no one really knew about that Uh we just kind of pushed under the rug <laughs> it's like out there and people can see yeah like i i like to interact with black twitter but then sure. you sometimes forget that other people can see what you're talking about <laughs> on black twitter uh-huh. and so it's like it feels like ah, oh, like i feel like i'm in spite on but at the same time it's so yeah it, it's 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 interesting it's interesting yeah so. yeah for sure um yeah, I think that's all I have to say about this movie. Kyle, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, this was this super been, fun. Yeah, it's great. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? No. I wish I had projects to plug. Sure. <laughs> I was yeah. thinking about that on my way here. I was like, oh, I have nothing going on in my life right now. Well, nothing plug worthy. You want to plug any social media? Try to get that follower count up? Uh, follow me at, at cbreezy on Instagram. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yeah, you're not very active on Twitter, <laughs> I've noticed. Oh, no, I am. I, I'm, I'm on Twitter now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, you can follow me at MJSmith891 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Twitter, I'm more active on by a lot. Um, formative Filmography is back, and we'll be back for the foreseeable future. Um, Jeremy, your movies are coming, I promise. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back to talk about Shazam. I think Shazam weeks. I think so. Oh yeah, Shazam. Sorry, I thought you said Kazam. Oh nope, nope, nope. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Uh, once again, Kyle, thank you for coming on, man. Hey, no problem. Uh, you'll definitely have to come back on for something in the future. Um, yeah. Until next time, we're the bad guys.